it's just it's been around for 200 years yeah people want to just party yeah there's i mean there there are a few you know sort of you know things to dog ear here and there but in general it's just like it just can't be stopped well except for covid (laughs) (laughs) say we found it I have something important to say. I got some amazing plums you from, some uh, from a coworker, and they're grown in her backyard in Bozeman, Montana. Wow. And it's oh, like wow. October 1st now. And the plums are still amazing. So yeah, I'm oh, wow. super stoked about these plums. Are you going to try to, to harvest the seeds at all? Ooh, now you're making me feel bad for being lazy. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> just eating the plums. What's so amazing about these plums? Well, they're they're not a disaster. So much, <laughs> it's so much stuff that's grown here in Montana. It's such a really it's a short growing season for like fruits and vegetables, right? So Montana actually grows more uh, malting barley for beer than any other state in the United States. So mm-hmm. it's great conditions for growing barley. But if you want to get like sweet plums and stuff like that, it can be tricky and so it's just amazing that these plums taste normal they're sweet mm. they're plump they've got the right amount of acid to sweetness balance they've got good plum aroma they're great they're perfect <laughs> cool story right that's good that's exciting <laughs> we talk we open on plum talk i love it and hey everybody she, it's time for liquid bread oh wait do we have more sorry. plum no, talk sorry. no, no larry, larry if you have questions about the plums please so I'm already halfway into this leader, and uh, I, I think things are going to go downhill for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should say, well, I'll tweet the picture. I'll tweet your photo, Rich, but Rich has got a, <laughs> oh, a, hey, big, old, lucky, a big old mug lucky. of, it's, it's of amazing. Spear going. It it's looks, amazing. It looks good. It, it's it, one of two. I'm, 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 my goal is to get through all, all six of these beers in the next <laughs> whatever, however, however long this podcast is. However long we can go. Yeah. It's time for Liquid Bread. Uh, with me, I'm Maddie Smith. Uh, with me, as always, are coming from San Diego, California, right now, Master Thespian Larry Bates. Hello, hello, hello. And coming from <laughs> Bozeman, Montana, with his belly full of plums, Master Cicerone and mogul of Meritson, Rich Higgins. That's right. Hey, everybody, fellas, don your later hosen, and ladies, tie up those dirndls. Everybody break out the brass because it's time for Oktoberfest. Oh, wait a minute. I, don't, I didn't understand what you were saying. I'm sorry. I don't speak Spanish. What are you <laughs> it's Oktoberfest. Get later hosing on, Larry. I'm joking. I do speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I still don't know what you were saying. Larry's been working. All right. So, okay. So, where do we start? <laughs> Let's get to we're talking about Oktoberfest. It's October. Rich, most important question first. What is your record for how many beer steins you can carry at once? Uh, forty-five, but no longer, 40. no farther than twelve feet. Oh. Are you being serious? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Wait, 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 wait. I'm calling the bullshit right away. I'm wait a minute, on, Rich. You cannot carry forty-five. I cannot carry forty-five. You know, Have I don't you ever think tried? I've tried to carry more than two. No, I think two is the most I've tried. But I, um, you know, at Oktoberfest, I've seen them carry. I've seen yeah. men and women carry like ten. I think six. I think I could do six. I could probably do eight. <laughs> I can do three in each hand and two with the forearms against the chest okay. if I walk slow. You got the technique. One time I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of just those competitions where they have to carry just dozens of those glasses just stacked on them. It's pretty impressive. When they're full. Yes. Full right? of beer. You're yeah. not talking about oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. They got beer in them. Yeah, yeah. I, have you ever yeah. seen a crash? Do they ever drop them? That's terrifying. That I've like never a seen disaster. it. I've heard it, actually. So you're in the tents and they're enormous, okay? They're like the size of stadiums. And you can hear cacophonies of glass breaking here and there you know but mm. you're you never see it because you know it's so far away but i don't know if that's like actual servers that are dropping because they've been tripped by some drunk idiot or if it's just <laughs> you know guests that have <laughs> decided to, to drop their glasses right well, 29 like, 29 is the record that's the record this is insane <laughs> yeah go look oh it up online you can watch these videos you can see these people carry it's insane it's so much beer so beer weighs it's eight yeah. and a half pounds per gallon. And a liter stein is like a quarter of a gallon, right? Basically it's a quart. So that's like two, you know, two plus pounds for just a beer. And then the glass weighs another pound or pound and a half or something like that. So that's what average three, say three and a half pounds or something per thing. So if you're doing, what'd you say, Larry, 29? Yeah, 29. that's almost 90 pounds. We're doing math. That's insane. <laughs> I think I did that math right. 
close to 100 pounds. I believe it. Yeah. So we're going to skip on current events because Oktoberfest really is a current event itself, right? It's October. It's Oktoberfest time. It's very exciting. Right. Um, Wait a minute. Does Oktoberfest always happen in October? Here's the thing. It does always happen in October, does but it? it doesn't start in October. I was going to say, yeah, it starts in September, right? It feels like that's it feels unfestive. It's cool. It's It offers a sneak preview. You guys are from LA. You know about sneak previews, right? Oh, we're all about sneak previews here in La La Land. <laughs> um yeah so this is like this is a really fun time of year i mean i'm really bummed this year that i'm in la especially i'm not able to go to breweries because oktoberfest is a super fun time to hit up a brewery that does october oktoberfest beers and of course we have oktoberfest the event in germany we have oktoberfest the sort of time of the year where american breweries replicate oktoberfest beers and then there are the actual beers themselves these are really tasty. They're really fun to drink seasonally, even though year-round, I'd argue that they're pretty good, and they're some of my favorite beers. Uh, but Hold on. You say, why, why are they tasty? Why are they your favorite beers? I like a malty beer. I like uh-huh. kind of a malty beer. I like coming a little bit of that caramely sweetness. Mm. These, for me, are a very uh, very straightforward beer that I can drink with any food. I mean, I know there's better pairings for them. It feels like, as opposed to, you know, a sour or something that's super hoppy or something that's a stout. I personally, like a Dunkel, hits the zone for me for just a really satisfying anytime beer that is (laughs) cool and satisfying and has a really good distinct taste. Hey, preaching to the choir, man. I love it. (laughs) And I love that you're going the food pairing route. In general, (laughs) I think these beers are just good because... They're, they're beer, first and foremost. They've got yeah. a lot of history, and you can drink, drink a lot of them. If I was going to think of like a general beer taste, this is what my mind, I think, goes to. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. That makes you, that makes you a dork. I am a dork. Beer oh, no. circles, but that's cool. Well, what, what, what would it be for you, Rich? What would it be for you? Oh, you mean so, like one go-to beer style, you mean? Or like what, well, what, what do what, I like what, so much about Maddie's example. Like if you – repeat your example, Maddie. If someone was going to tell me, imagine – the taste of beer in my head. What is the beer taste? I would taste mm-hmm. something along the lines of a Dunkel. I, for me, it would be an ESB. Is this because this is like the first beer? No, like the, it's not the, the original. <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's just. I, I like mean, that you're trying I, to pick it apart, Rich. It's just what we think. Well, <laughs> I'm into the psychology. I got to figure out like what makes people care about beer. For me, it's Heineken. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the beer my I dad drank when I was growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm I not going to lie. Sit there. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, there's a part of me that, and this is terrible, that it's like a very ice-cold Budweiser. You know that's, what I mean? What's I think terrible that, about that? That's I think cool. that's no, there's nothing terrible about well, just saying, but just because when you're, when you're a kid, that's what, like, if you, yeah. you know, like you said, same kind of a thing. I think that's, you know, part of that's, like, just our experience. Like, I, I think you guys drank beer more, especially throughout college and stuff. I was, I kind of avoided beer because of my family's history with beer. Mm-hmm. So I, because I didn't want to be, like, the type to just drink a bunch of you know, my grandfather's boxes of Budweiser they would go through. And so it was kind of a little after that that I, I think I started more with kind of craft beers and different types of beers. I think I, I don't have that initial like, oh, Bud Light or PBR or, you know, whatever sort of thing that I ordered every time Old out. Style. Well, you know, Maddie, that's cool that, you know, Dunkel is a style that really resonates for you as like the base of what beer flavor is. Because Dunkel is like, it's almost a dead style. You know, there, there are mm-hmm. a handful of breweries, particularly in Bavaria, not just Germany, but specifically Bavaria, that brew Dunkels, but they're not even that popular in Germany. Mm-hmm. I mean, they people, people drink them, but it's just like, in general, you know, beer across the world, people flock to the pale colored stuff. And so Dunkel is a dark beer. It means dark in German. The, the word Dunkel means dark. And so that's, I mean, actually, this is I'm maybe setting us up for what we're going to get into, the history of Oktoberfest, but that was like the basic beer style in Bavaria until, you know, really until about maybe 1900 or so. But in the past 100 years or 120 years to 2020, like no one drinks Dunkels, no one drinks dark beers. So I love that you were introduced to that because you you got into beer sort of late, you know, you got into it through the craft side rather than, you know, growing up on Budweiser or Heineken the way Larry and I did. So, uh, you know, you you have a, a, a soft spot for a beer, kind of a weirder esoteric beer um, that I love. And I want I want that style of beer to see more more daylight for sure. Yeah. Before we get into the history and story, we're going to cover a lot of stuff today. But Rich, I think this is just a general question people have. Some some beers call themselves Oktoberfests, but there are a couple more specific styles under the Oktoberfest banner. Some say Oktoberfest mm-hmm. itself isn't a style. Um, some say it is a style. There's fest beers. There's Mertzens. Um, How would you describe whatever an Oktoberfest is? 
It's it's a really annoyingly confusing, and I agree, <laughs> especially in the states when we've got so many different breweries that are not even German that are brewing these beers. There's a lot of confusion. Here's the deal: Oktoberfest is a festival, all right, and it's been around for 200 years. So they've served a lot of different beers at this festival over 200 years. So keep in mind that Oktoberfest beer, if it's designed for Oktoberfest, it is stronger in alcohol. All right, that might seem counterintuitive because you're going to go to a festival, you're going to drink liters at a time of beer, you know, a full liter at a time and drink two, three, four, five of them. So why would you have something stronger? Because you're only going to get even drunker, but that's the way they do it over there. So Oktoberfest beers typically are more more highly alcoholic, wow. just slightly, not no wonder, crazy alcohol. No wonder it's a popular party. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but and, and they get good turnover because... They get a good turnover because no one can last <laughs> because the beers are stronger wow. than they're expecting. But beyond that, the current, all right, there's a schism. I shouldn't say schism, but there are two styles, all right? Oktoberfest is a different style of beer than Fest beer, all right? So Fest beer is the current contemporary popular beer that is served at Oktoberfest, and it is pale in color, all right? It's, so it's golden in color, and it's about 58 to 6.3% alcohol, so about 6%, give or take. And it's a lager, so it's fermented by a lager yeast, and it's not particularly bitter, and it does have malt aroma in the form of bread and, and malt and a uh, little bit of straw or hay, you know, not, not particularly uh, dark or roasted aromas at all. Um, and then it's a little bit sweet. It skews a little bit sweet, mm-hmm. and that's what fast beer is. And then prior to that, prior to like the 1980s or so, when when pale-colored Fest beer became a thing, the dominant beer style was the Oktoberfest beer, which was a shorthand for Oktoberfest Märzen. All right, so Oktoberfest being the strong version of a Märzen. All right, so Märzen is another style of lager that happens to be amber in color. And so, Maddie, when you're talking about Dunkels and Oktoberfest mm-hmm. that you like, you're talking about beers that have a lot more malt character to them because the malt has been roasted or caramelized or toasted in ways so that the beer ends up being this kind of burnished, uh, tawny toffee color. And on top of it, it smells like caramel. It smells like toast. Uh, and again, it's 5.8 to 6.3% alcohol or so. So kind of, kind of slightly stronger by German standards, if you're drinking liters of it at a time. And, um, and again, malty and not particularly bitter. All right. So the Oktoberfest Märzen is the beer that basically Oktoberfest was built around. However, in around the 1980s or so, most of the breweries that supplied beer to the festival uh, stopped brewing the kind of the amber Märzen version and switched to the more modern golden fest beer. I think there you mentioned you going back to kind of why it's one of my favorites. I have a sweet tooth, and so I think I like the sweet, but I also don't want to like drink candy beer. So I'm not as into yeah, like the super yeah, sweet yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. like that stuff is just, just juicy, milkshakey, syrupy stuff. And so I think this is like a nice, <clears throat> it satisfies the sweetness craving, but I also can drink it with my dinner and not feel like I'm having a milkshake. Yeah. Well, the the idea behind this beer is, well, I shouldn't say the idea behind it, but... No, let's go. What's the idea behind it? Well, the empirical data, let's put it this way. I've had, you know, (laughs) several years worth of Oktoberfest, or I shouldn't say Oktoberfest, several years worth of fest beers from the main six breweries in Munich that are the only ones that are allowed to serve beer at the Oktoberfest, as well as breweries from outside of Munich, uh, you know, in Bavaria, and they all skew slightly sweet. All right. Ooh, so ooh. every beer can be sort of can lean soft with maltiness and or sweetness and or alcohol, or it can lean hard with things like bitterness or sourness or astringency, like from rye or spices or something like that. Uh, and so a balanced beer, I talk about this in my tasting classes all the time. A balanced beer is not a goal of every style of beer. It's not like it's not good if a beer is innately balanced. I shouldn't say, it's not innately good if a beer is balanced. However, uh, some styles are about balance. Some styles are about a beer being soft, and some styles are about a beer being hard or, or you know, bitter and uh, intense, uh, sour, things like that. The Fest beer is slightly soft, okay? Mm. So it does have hop bitterness, and that hop bitterness is not quite enough to overwhelm or to, uh, to, to keep all of the maltiness in check. And that's kind of partly because of the Bavarian style of, of beer, Spe- specifically Southern Bavaria, where Munich is, is you know, located. 
uh, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of agronomy and there's a lot of water chemistry that I can get into if we want to dive down a weirdo dorky rabbit hole oh, that has made those beers malt focused. They're incredibly bready in character, bready in aroma and uh, hops sort of get in the way. And so these beers that we drink now at Oktoberfest are, are always malty because it's mm-hmm. Munich. And just because they're pale in color doesn't mean they can't be malty. A lot of people think malty means dark. That's not the case. However, uh, the hops are there, but they're not over the top. So that is what this beer is all about. Cool. Um, and let me just ask something, actually, about, I mean, so Rich, there we go. <laughs> Rich, I mean, we should, I mean, I know what the answer is, but you've been to Oktoberfest yourself. I have. How many yes. times, how many yeah. Oktoberfests have you been to? Four, I think. No, five. I've led. I've done some research trips there, and then I've and then I've led um, trips through my for my beer immersions nice. to Oktoberfest um, a couple times too. So yeah, like so, so, I think when, five now. so when you're in that giant hall, so I've seen video of it. I unfortunately have not gotten the chance to go yet. This year I could have oh, maybe, but uh, stuff happened. But COVID, yeah, ah. <laughs> and they canceled it <laughs> straight up. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but um. Sad. But so you're in that in one of those giant tents, right? You got long tables. Mm-hmm. It's packed. Everyone's pushing it. There's everyone's in later mm-hmm. hosen. There's music. It's loud. Are you ordering? Are you picking beer, or is like a basically is it like a tent has one beer and you just order a beer generically and they just bring you whatever it is? This is a great question. This is what lots of people want to know, and a lot of people don't even really think about asking this question. So yeah, how many different t- beer types do you think are served in a tent? Like, what would you guess? Oh, man, I mean... Um, three. I would guess one. I would just say it's too complicated. There's just these women uh-huh. with carrying 29 steins in their hands <laughs> to the table. They've been doing it for 200 years. They've been doing it for 200 years. They're really good at what they're They've doing. They've upgraded to three? They, so I'm going to say three. <laughs> each century, they add a new beer? So here's the deal. They actually... So they're, each tent um, is sort of like a tide house, okay? So like a, a family or a business owns a tent. And they contract or they tie themselves to a specific brewery. Okay. Oh. And so the only, there are only six breweries in Munich, six large breweries in Munich that are allowed to, they're like in the Oktoberfest charter or whatever you'd call it. Uh, and in that charter, it says that like, you know, Palaner, Hocker, Shore, uh, who else? Um, Augustiner? Uh, uh, yep. Augustiner. Thank you. I'm forgetting. Uh, Spaden. Lohenbrau. And Livenbroy. Or I, I think the the six that are allowed to do so low, low and brow is what we say in the U.S. Yeah. But Livenbroy is how it's pronounced over there. Um, okay. Oh, and and Hofbrau has, of of course. Or, so Hofbrau Brauerei is the sixth. So those are the only breweries that are allowed to sell their beer there um, in the large beer tents. And those tents will contract with one brewery and one brewery only. Mm-hmm. And that brewery will send them tons and tons and tons and tons of fest beer. Some of those tents will also serve uh, Weiss beer because Weiss beer is an incredibly popular style of beer in Bavaria, especially Munich. Um, and it's so it's German style wheat beer. Um, that beer is not popular at, at Oktoberfest. It's not like a it's not like a sanctioned beer. But, you know, if you if you want to order one, you can. But a lot of the time the tents will say, you know, it's like, you know, whatever server you're, you're ordering from might say, yeah, we're out of it, even if they might not even be out of it just because they don't want to deal with it. You know, if you're there at noon, it's easier to order something sort of, you know, out of the ordinary, i.e. a vice beer. But if you're there at like 9 p.m. on a Saturday, things are totally nuts. They're, they might not serve you that vice beer. Uh, beyond that, you might be able to get some wine. You might be able to get... Uh, an Apfelschorle, uh, which is uh, like an a- apple, like carbonated apple juice. Um, they also have carbonated lemonade. And those two things can be mixed with certain beers to create something called a, a beer mix. And so you can Ooh. get, uh, yeah, there's a that's picture. Not, I, that's not the German word for it, beer mix. Beer mix. It actually is. Yeah. B-I-E, <laughs> B-I-E-R hyphen M-I-X. Oh, with um, the I though, Larry. That's what makes it German. Uh, amazing. 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 So. I have a, wait, wait, a so wait, how many, so how many beers per tent? <laughs> one, basically. Just one. I got it. I nailed it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It took you all of that time just to answer the question that there's only one? <laughs> Larry, I'm about to go it's fill rich. up a second liter right now. And you're, I'm things sorry. Are long, wasted. Long. I hey, listen, I'm also, I'm also realizing Oktoberfest was in European vacation. It's where Chevy Chase took his family. <laughs> In the movie European Vacation, am I not right? I think so. Does Rusty you do never, something embarrassing? Uh, something happens. He gets into a fight. Like he gets invited. Uh, wait, Chevy Chase gets invited up, and he has, ends up dancing with these guys, and they're, they're mm-hmm. slapping each other. And That's right. 
they get into like some kind of battle with the run to get in the car and the car gets caught in like a thing. Yeah. Anyway. I mostly just remember when they like hit a British guy with this with their car, and he's like nice to them. They kept hitting that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. uh, I also remember any Pink Panther fans here. Pink Panther Absolutely. Strikes Back. Oh, I love. Oh, the Pink Panther Strike Back is one of the greatest films ever. Yeah. The the global uh, right. intelligence community is out to try to yeah, kill the Clouseau and goes to Oktoberfest. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic cinema. Okay, that's good to know that I was correct um, about there just being one beer at Oktoberfest. But they did, so, they did serve other stuff in there. Well, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did, so I was you did say this. Well, you got the beer mix. Weiss beer. So some places it sounds like they give two. And the so beer I was yes. close to Maddie. Yeah, if you're, if you're nice. <laughs> if you're nice. Right. Sort of like <laughs> That's a the difference. There's a picture of, of me that I use oh. in a bunch of my presentations and uh, uh, various programming around Oktoberfest, which is me like in Lederhosen, in the right, you know, the right clothes, in a tent. Um, I'm in one of the like more traditional tents that serves only smoked fish and i've got a big uh, moss or a liter of of beer in front of me i'm holding it i got this shit-eating grin on my face and i asked some some folks at a table across from me to take a picture of this it was gonna be like this promo picture and i took a sip of the beer during the during the shot and i was like oh my god this is not beer i have been (laughs) served accidentally i've been served a a rodler which is half beer half sparkling lemonade yeah, and it looks just the same for the most part. It's a little bit paler in color, but I uh, I was just flabbergasted. I was like, "This is out here, not the beer I wanted." With cider, say it again. Out here, they do it with cider. Like at the bar, we would do a Rattler. Would be we have Rattler grapefruit. I know, like a what do we do? I feel like if I order a Stiegel Rattler, yeah, Stiegel. So they have a grapefruit version. Okay, that's that's the one. one one uh, Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it should always be. I mean. I'm, I'm confusing it with the snake bite. I'm confusing it with the snake bite. Right. Oh, yeah. I like a snake. I guess actually I'll also ask this. In case anyone's going to go to Oktoberfest in the future, if people are planning ahead, and God bless you if you are, it's always helpful to know how to order stuff anywhere you go. If you're going to Oktoberfest, Rich, how are you ordering there? Do you go to, up to a bar? I mean, I know they bring it to you, but how does how does the ordering process work? Or is it just like a waitress comes to your table? Yeah, you are not allowed to order a beer unless you're seated. Okay. And so yeah, you have to be sitting down at a table and then they come up and take your order. And then if you're not there, then that's a faux pas. But if you just like show up randomly, if you, if you know, you're, you're drunk and you're flirting or table hopping or whatever, like you're never going to get your beer. It's very mm. much like regimented. Like you sit down, you're at that seat and you cannot get your beer until, you know, and it'll be served to that seat. And then if you want to like get up and walk around with your beer, I guess you could, but then you're going to lose your seat and you're not going to be able to order another beer. Rough. So yeah, it's it's very much a seated thing for the most okay. part. I feel like you, I see so many pictures inside the tent, mm-hmm. but in terms of outside, like are all the tents in one area? I know mean, it's in Munich. Is it one like general localized area, like one big plaza, one mm-hmm. big neighborhood all yeah, together? It's, it's a giant. It's a giant park. Okay. It's called the the Theresian Visa, which means Teresa's Meadow, basically, and and for short in the Munich dialect, they call it the Wiesen. So sometimes on on beers that you get in the states, that you know wh- whatever Oktoberfest beers in the states, you'll see Wiesen on there. W i e s apostrophe n. That means the meadow. That's, that's the, yeah, exactly. Wow. So, um, yeah, so it's like one big park, notes. basically. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> um, yeah, and so all the tents are there, but there are a lot of there are ton of, tons of rides, and um, it's like a it's like being at a an amusement park, basically. So yeah, you got tons cool. of rides, and then and you know tons of like lanes or you know like. Well, like real rides, like like you know like yeah, like, they're roller coasters. Like, they're not like. But are they like are they like the makeshift ones that you know kill people? Like are they are they like a local carnival things or are they like like, like real nice big Disneyland they're style. In between. Okay. They're in between. So, you're, so there's you're not worried about you're not worried about dying yeah. too much? Well, if you drink enough, you're not worried. <laughs> so I'm a, I so in, when I was a teenager, I was going to be I was a roller coaster like uh, you know, file whatever P H I L E roller coaster mm-hmm. file <laughs> and I went to like tons of amusement parks all over the country and was like obsessed with the stuff oh, and I thought I believe I was, you're like, overstating this a little bit. Tons? You went to tons? Well, I'm literally, literally, I'm messing, I'm messing, I'm messing. Any Larry, any roller coaster way is clearly over a ton. Did you ever go to? Um, Did you go to Cedar Point, Ohio? Like, like Dallas? Of course, you can't not go to Cedar Point. You, oh, Larry, are you talking about Six Flags over Texas? <laughs> yeah, have you been there? In, in Irving, Texas. How many? Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to Six Flags uh, Magic Mountain? No, I didn't go out west. I went oh. to um, Kings Astral Island World? outside of Cincinnati. Which one, Larry? 
Astro World in Houston? Yeah, I've been to Astro World. I would say that the roller coasters that are at Oktoberfest that are, you know, on the Wiesen are fun. They're not amazing, but okay. they're not as rickety and as uh, temporary as carnival coasters. They're they're are, real deal. Are, are people you know, going you go upside down? Are people drunk on these? Are people like just wasting? Oh hell them? yeah! Oh wow! No, this totally. sounds, are people I feel like this would backfire. This would backfire on me so badly. People are vomiting. <laughs> yes, people dangerous. are vomiting. I wouldn't even get on one of those rides. <laughs> yeah, I'm very scared of that. Um, Larry, you got to clean off the vomit from the last ride by going on a roller coaster to, you know, have the have the wind blow it off you. Yikes! It's not all right. It's not that bad. Here's the deal: Oktoberfest is like you know, kind of 11 a.m. to you know midnight or so, and so in that 13 hours, uh, it really morphs. You know, during the daytime, mm. it's a lot of families. It's a lot of like very traditional Oktoberfest experiences where you're going to a tent, you're drinking beer, but you're also eating a lot of food and you're singing songs. And all the music is oh, not, uh, not amplified. You know, it's a lot of brass music, you know, umpapa, all that stuff. And then as the night progresses or as the day progresses into night, then you get a lot more folks, first of all, coming off of work. Um, you know, so on a Wednesday evening, you know, people start piling in after work. Um, you get a lot more kids, not kids, I should say, uh, teenagers coming in. And so that's when things start to get really rowdy at that point. What's the drinking age in Germany? Drinking age in Germany is 16 for beer and wine and 18 okay. for spirits. Gotcha. And so local people just go kind of casually as it's, oh, totally. as it's going on? How many, how many weeks does it run? runs two and a half weeks. Mm. It's usually 16, 17 days. Man, the um, pandemic is the worst time to be thinking about Oktoberfest. This sounds just incredible amazing. being in a giant really frame. I mean, also it's nightmarish awesome. considering our new it normal. Really but um, awesome. yeah, it's, it sounds pretty Maybe amazing. we should... Maybe we should plan to go. Maybe we should plan to go um, to the next uh, to the next one post COVID. Yeah, when, I think you should. Whenever that is. Yeah, whenever whenever COVID um, ends. No, no, no like, not you should. We should. Oh, we yeah, we're going. We. Yeah, liquid bread. Liquid. Yeah, we could. We'll record live from the tent. In various tents. Yeah, let's get into a history of the event. Oktoberfest. Locally, it's called just Wiesen, meaning the meadow. The first Oktoberfest, held on October 12, 1810, celebrated the marriage of Crown Prince Ludwig of Bavaria and Princess Therese. Therese? How's it? What's a German Therese? Theresa. Oh, so none of what I said. Princess Theresa of Saxony Hildburghausen. Uh, the five-day event invited all residents of Munich to come party it up for the nobility, ending with a big horse race, the Theresenweiss. Maybe most importantly, though, free food and free beer were given to those in attendance. And so, while it started out as a political demonstration of national unity, the love of party prevailed. And the popular event, described by the Oxford Companion to Beer as a pop-up amusement park, which you said it was an amusement park yourself, and it became yes. an annual tradition. When needed, it's gone back to resembling something more of this national unity theme. Um, for instance, under the Nazi regime of the 1930s and after German reunification in the 1990s. Uh, but for the most part, it really feels like it's been taken over and become one big beer festival that hosts about 6 million people a year. It's funny because Oktoberfest is just, it's so nat inherently tied to beer now. And I think everyone's minds, it's a beer event. How did it, did it just become a beer focused festival just because the Germans love drinking a lot of beer at their parties? That's, that's an interesting question. I think that to a lot of Germans, to a lot of Bavarians, it really is just a state fair. Okay. All right. It's like the crowning achievement of Bavaria. And Bavaria is just a state. It's like sort of like the, the Texas of Germany. So <laughs> it's where everyone in the state goes and chills out and brings their family and has a good time and rides rides and walks around and like just people watches and all that. And they do what Germans do, which is drink beer and eat a lot of particularly hearty food. It's sort of like keeping up the status quo in a lot of ways. However... Because Germany is so associated with beer drinking and because beer is this fun thing that, you know, has been exported as a culture around the world, the rest of the world has really started to flock to Oktoberfest every year. And so, 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 so I was mentioning earlier that each of these tents is sort of a tide house. So it's like it's um, they only serve beer from one brewery. And so like the Augustiner Brewery is Augustiner is one of like Munich's most prized institutions. It's like the, the favorite brewery for, for people in Munich. And so it's really very much a locals tent. So if you go to the Augustiner tent, it's a locals tent, but the Hofroy tent uh, is very much like there are a lot of Americans there. There are a lot of Australians there. Other tents. I can't even remember which tents are which, but there's like, it's known like tent, you know, the Spaten tent or maybe the, the Hawker shore tent or something is the Italian tent. Another tent oh. is where all the Brits go. Another tent is where 
uh, you know, again, all the Americans go, or is there just so many different international kind of factions that just funnel in to have a good time, i.e., you know, behave poorly, drink too much beer, and, you know, flirt and, you know, do do st- stupid things that I don't really recommend. <laughs> so wait, if I uh, <laughs> so if I wander, let's say, but what if I go, I'm there? I have a lot of tells that let people know I'm very American. I go there. I go into that Augustiner tent. Are they going to yeah. like give me looks? Am I going to be like a little like you know? I don't think they're going to be mean. Well, maybe they'll be mean. Like, am I going to feel a little out of place? Am I going to get a little bit of the side eye? Depends how you how you act. But yeah, if you're not wearing you know, the official Trachten, which is the German word for like, you know, the, the official, uh, apparel. Oh, I gotta be in later. Yeah. You, you're going to look at a place. Yeah. Later. <laughs> you need to have later. Like, you need to have later. Okay. On. I'll get on it. So, so, I'm on so, it. so, so let me ask. So let so, me ask. So me, Larry, Rich, we three go in there. We're wearing later. Yeah, we got no, the hats. Yeah. You're adding shoes. me. To, I'm looking at a lot of these pictures. I don't see a ton of black people. So <laughs> what I'm, <laughs> so what if I go to the Augustiner tent with some later. hose? <laughs> It's not. It's not an issue. There. I mean, not I'm a lot of. Well, no. I I hear you. That basically, there are not a lot of black people in you know at Oktoberfest, unfortunately. But there are plenty of black people in Germany. So if oh, you were at the cool. Augustiner tent, they'd assume that hey, you're probably you know U.S. military. So that's possible. <laughs> or you're probably you know one of the one of the. Black Hello? people that lives in Munich. Oh, so or Larry's our key. Larry's our key to get in and make us fe- make us trick them into thinking <laughs> well, the we're local. The other thing is speaking German. If you can't speak German, Uh-oh. you're going to get found out right away Nine. at you know the Augustiner tent, and they're not going to care about you. You know they're, oh, okay. they're, they're not going to kick cool. you out. They're just not going to bend over backwards to to let you. When I travel, I'm like, oh, I want to get like a local experience. I want to really get to know that culture. It's not a thing mm-hmm. where like, oh, I'm going to benefit from going to the Augustiner tent. I can go to the Hofbrau House tent and we get, went to japan maddie when we mm-hmm. when we went to japan yeah and what was it what was the name of that area the um shinjuku was the, yeah maybe but you remember the area the where there was some place yeah where there oh, was yeah, some the place where it was like yeah well we do not go there like that's just oh yeah the bars yeah yeah there. there are the bars that are yeah not for uh i forget the word for you know tourists or outsiders for or tourists yeah um, even that signs up it feels like it's not quite like that well, a place like like going to the Hofbräu tent is an incredibly international experience, and it's fun. That's pretty fun. Yeah, get to know people. Everyone's from. there drinking beer together, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, it's if you're going to Oktoberfest to really experience the the most authentic version of you know Germans getting drunk, I wouldn't go to the Hofbräu tent. You know, so it, it okay. really does help to speak German, and and so that's something like I've I learned that the hard way several times going to Germany, like, you know, I need to learn German. So I, I learned German. And so now a lot of doors have opened up for me, not only at Oktoberfest, but also, you know, all over the country in breweries and restaurants. And, you know, I'm excited that I can speak that language because I want to have that more authentic experience. Rich, are, you However, like, the, are you totally fluent in German? No, I'm not fluent. But, but are you, I, your I can conversation, you can give up. Yeah, yeah, ish. <laughs> enough, enough. Actually, my first joke in German, <laughs> I was so happy about this. My first joke in German was my first day at, uh, at, a, at Oktoberfest back in, what was this, 2014. And this guy, he was so, so incredibly drunk. And he was, I think he was in Italian. And uh, he was like just making an ass of himself at this table. And I was, you know, it was this table of like a hodgepodge of, of different groups sitting at this large table. And he was clearly a loner. I was a loner too, but I was trying to be like the respectful guy, trying to like, learn about the culture and drink beer and enjoy stuff and uh he was like drooling he had dropped a cigarette he had dropped <laughs> some like oh yeah he got in a t-shirt that was like covered in like some unknown film it was oh, gross and he like dropped all that stuff before he left and i said in, in german to, to the people at the table i was like oh shoot he, he he forgot his he forgot his t-shirt and uh they looked at me and they're like you know, a beat past of silence because they wanted to confirm that I wasn't with him. And then they all started laughing. And I was like, oh, hey, I, I apparently it. know enough German to, to riff on this. It sounds like we could pull off that Augustiner tent. I mean, I, yeah, I, we I can do it. I think we can do it. Let's storm yeah. it. Yeah. Let's storm it. Let's talk about a little bit of the history. Let's get into a little bit of the beer. The Spaten Brewery is the brewery uh, to look at. You can't talk Oktoberfest without talking Spaten. 
And Rich, feel free to jump in at any time, interrupt, or tell me what's inaccurate about my research. <laughs> That's fine. I actually, uh, I'm going to let you talk for a minute while I go refill my, my leader. Fantastic. I hope I don't, <laughs> I hope this part's accurate. Now, <laughs> I'm kidding, except for the fact that I do want to refill this leader. So the Spaten Brewery, German for spade, began as a brew pub in Munich in 1397, but it was all the way in the 1800s when it really made its mark under the leadership of Gabriel Sedemeyer II. In the early 1800s, uh, Spaten was producing those delicious dark dunkels, a common beer across Bavaria. Rich, already, we already talked plenty about dunkels. Um, that was the, the common beer of the time. Like many of our beer figures around that time, Settlemeyer benefited from the development of the steam engine, not just because of how it positively impacted the brewing and distribution of fresher beer, but because it allowed him to travel around Europe throughout the 1820s and 30s, learning all he could about various brewing techniques. He learned gentler techniques for drying malt from the Belgians and British. He learned about extracting fermentable sugars from the Prussians and British. He learned much. He learned a lot from the British in particular for some reason. I guess they were doing pretty well. Uh, he learned much from the British brewers, more advanced technologies for things like temperature control. He even stole samples of wort and yeast from Britain using a small metal tube designed specifically for that purpose. So he was living it up, traveling around. Um, it's obviously common even now, Rich, would you say it's common now? Like that a part of brewing apprenticeship is traveling around. Uh, that's no, that's not part of an apprenticeship. That's part of being landed and moneyed and being able to, you know, be, be the son of the owner or the, the daughter of the okay. owner of the brewery and be able to, did I miss much? I so that's gone out of believe. style. Um, I think I covered everything. I think I covered okay. what Meritsons are, how they're brewed, the whole history. I think we're all good. He you covered go- everything. He covered <laughs> it's it all. All, we're all done. <laughs> it's here. all been covered. Um, no, I just got talking about Gabriel Sedemeyer the second. Awesome. Yeah. I did hear the, uh, the, the vile, uh, story. Actually, yes. that was the one I was emailing you, Maddie, about the, uh, the, the, oh, peg okay. leg or Sorry. The, the wooden leg thing. Oh, so well, here, no, wait, I, I'm not going to correct it. I was going to say, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to just tell that story and I can kind of edit it? it no, it's it a silly I, story. Uh, no, it's a good story. The, though, um, I think then it's, it's, uh, I don't know how true it is. I mean, like, did he really, uh, like steal samples of word? And he certainly didn't bring him back to Germany to do that. But, uh, I think he was just like, tasting the word and taste you know because word's gonna ferment right you can't like spirit that back like you know for two weeks back to germany you know it's gonna it's gonna ferment and change so he might have sampled it later that evening or something like that but anyway the the story that is often told is that he had a um i thought it was a peg leg it's not that's ridiculous because he didn't have he had you know fully functioning it's hard to pull off the fake the fake leg if you have two (laughs) functioning legs it gets awkward when when everyone's like why do you have three legs this is weird but uh no he had a he had a cane apparently a wooden cane uh so i guess he pretended to to need a cane while he spirited stuff into his cane i think stealing stuff but yeah so he was he was out there doing some some espionage and um regardless brought back a whole bunch of or he's at least credited for bringing back a whole bunch of ideas um, along with Anton Dreyer uh, of uh, uh, you know of Vienna, uh, so Vienna and Munich benefited from going over to England to learn basically the ways of this incredibly successful industry over there that was brewing a, a lot of at the time what was regarded as pale beer, but it was all sort of caramel and colored in, in color, and so that uh, caramel color gave rise in Vienna to the Vienna Lager in 1842. Uh, sorry, 1841, and in Munich gave rise to the Märzen in 1841. Yeah, that's sort of the, the origin story of, of some of that. Yeah, and so it was uh, when Gabriel the I passed away in the 1830s. Gabriel the Younger took over. You know, soon after, he set about modernizing Spaten. Um, all those technologies learned, especially from the British, brought them in, all their, you know, their kind of biochemical research, all their technological understanding. Um, and it was at Oktoberfest in 1841 when Spaten introduced the first lager to officially be labeled a Märzen beer. Märzen is the month of March. Yes. Märzen, okay. Yeah, and so let's 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 talk about what a Märzen is. It's not like the most incredibly mm. common beer, but it's it's around, and it's again, it's one of my favorites. I Obviously, like, in my I range. like a Märzen. Yeah. Märzens are delicious. Um, so, yeah, so I was going to say, I heard, I heard, a, I heard a, a moan from Larry there. Larry, are you pro Märzen? <laughs> I do like Märzen. Märzen's good. good. You should. Märzen means March in German. And I think so the... Why is it served in October? Yes, that's... Let's get into that. Rich, <laughs> you asked the question, but I'm going to let you also answer it. Go on ahead. Ah, double duty. I mean, or I can, well, but it will be... I can tell you the less detailed, uh, less nuanced versions. You, you tell the quick version, not the, the mm-hmm. long, boring version that I'm about to tell. Okay, uh, quick I version, refrigeration, not a thing. They got to store it. 
start in March, put it away, get it out later. Makes sure. Sense. Mm-hmm. That works. However, you're forgetting, <laughs> Matty, Duke Albrecht V, oh. back in 1553, uh, when he uh, uh, promulgated the summer brewing prohibition in Bavaria. Oh, yes. Ah, oh, the summer brewing prohibition. Ah, nice. Duke the Fifth, man. <laughs> Albrecht. Matty, you're always missing that one, I always bro. forget about Albrecht. <laughs> that guy. Look, if you're brewing a whole bunch of sour beer and weird, funky, stinky farmhouse beer that you don't want to be so stinky, and the 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 beer that was brewed in the winter tasted like malt and hops, that tasted pretty good. I but just the, loved it not too long ago. Rich literally broke down how much beer weighed, how much the sun <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You just, I know you just love you love beer, man. It's just amazing. I, do. I, I Let's find it incredible. About it. So summer, summer, the temperatures, basically refrigeration not being a thing yet, um, is the big yeah. is the biggest factor in terms of the types of beer that they make at ter- certain times of the year. And so right. they wanted to make they wanted those delicious malty beers that Maddie loves. They wanted to be able to have those year round. So if you can't brew in the summer, you got to brew a lot of them right before the summer starts. And so March and April is when that occurred. And so they would fill the, the beer kellers, the cellars, with tons of beer, tons of lager beer brewed in March and April. And so that became the Merton style. Uh, and basically at the end of the summer, you know, basically in mid-September, late September is when you can start brewing again. That's when you're like, ah, oh, phew, we made it through the summer. We've got tons of beer left over. We being a brewery. Okay, so a brewery is like, hey sweet our sellers still have some beer in them let's sell this old beer and let's get this out the door let's kill it let's kill uh, it's the still can. tasting good yeah. yeah so it really uh it's like it's the beer equivalent of a harvest in that like say like year one grow your barley and then the f- fall of year one or winter year one you're brewing with that barley and then you lager that over the summer and you drink it over the summer but then year two you start to harvest your next year's barley you're actually drinking up the rest of year one's barley at the end of summer. So it's like a double harvest festival in a way. So, so come September, October, well, you're drinking, cool. you're drinking all that beer that's left over and it's delicious stuff. Okay. So it became this, but it became this distinct style called the Meritzen. Like why mm-hmm. would, was it, was there any reason why the Meritzen beer was different from that beer that they were brewing in say January? No. Approaching it for long term didn't affect the taste. Or anything like that. It, it wasn't. No, I, I don't think that was an issue for making it different. Okay. The Meriton as a style, you know, when Spaten first brewed it in 1851, sorry, 1841, it was it was the first Munich style beer, you know, beer from Munich that was brewed with this these paler malts. Okay, so these paler malts are what gave you that caramel, that toasty, that kind of nutty color and aroma, and so it just became termed the Meriton. Beers have been brewed, again, as I mentioned, since 1553 yeah. in March to help keep mm-hmm. the, the cellars full until you could brew again in, you know, September and October, um, for, you know, for obviously for centuries before 1841. So the difference between a Meritzen beer circa 1841 and a beer brewed in March in 1553, 1554, I don't really know the difference mm-hmm. except that um, those paler malts that gave you those caramel tones were not commercially viable they weren't commercially available and you know until well here we go into 1817 when daniel wheeler patented the uh you know his his patented malt roaster so it took centuries to be able to to develop that so most of the time prior to the mid mid to early 1800s most beer was dark and so that's why the dunkel lager was like the primary lager that was brewed all over bavaria Certainly, uh, other dark beers are brewed over the the rest of what is now modern Germany, and so the Marison was this like exciting new beer in 1841 that Spaten sort of scooped the rest of these other Mer- uh, Munich breweries on because these other Munich breweries could have gotten these pale malts themselves also and brewed a paler beer, but they just stuck to their traditional ways and did the kept brewing Dunkels. Uh, but it was Spaten that did the did this paler version that sort of you know caught the eye of every Munchner. Wow. To tie it to the event, then just a little bit, was it just? I mean, obviously you weren't there, Rich, so you don't necessarily know. <laughs> I was not but there. I don't know. I, 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 when, don't know. I don't know if we know that. I don't know if we know that for sure. <laughs> thanks for rubbing rubbing it in, man. <laughs> but I mean, Appreciate but when like the first Oktoberfest happened, do you know if that event was planned for that time because that was when they would kill off all the beer? Like, was there actually like a beer related reason or was it kind of just a beautiful, like, 
coincidence that it all came together at the right time and then developed naturally into this wonderful beer holiday that took the year of the year supply of beer and chugged it right on down. I think it was just, I think it was just serendipitous. You know, I I think that the, the politics of planning this wedding for Prince Ludwig or whoever and, and princess Teresa, um, you know, that just sort of conspired to make it sort of be a, an early fall time thing. However, harvest celebrations have been happening in every culture ever, you know, for, for the entirety of civilization. So that has been a part of, of, of the timing as well as the fact that in you know in Bavaria a lot of these beers needed to be consumed or were basically freed up to be consumed in September and October because all of a sudden the breweries could brew again and replenish their stocks. Mm-hmm. But I think those three things kind of collaborated. Plus I mean the idea of a harvest festival is not just saying hey the harvest is over we've got a lot of bounty. It's also Hey, farmers! You know, back in the back in 1810, during the first Oktoberfest, most of the economy of Munich was very agrarian. So all these, most of the people, all of a sudden have time on their hands because they weren't tending to the fields and and you know tilling and harvesting. They all of a sudden had time off because the harvest was over. So that there's a lot of things that have conspired to create the timing of Oktoberfest being a natural thing. Plus, it's like it's the last time the weather's good, you know, for four or five, six months in southern Germany. You know, they're in the foothills of the Alps, and so that's why it was actually it started in October. But you know, and I don't know when they did this. Well, after Oktoberfest had become a popular thing, they moved it to earlier in the year. You know, by moved it up by two weeks because starting in late September means. You know, it's going to increase the chances that you're going to have good weather for this two or three week mm-hmm. festival rather than starting in October. And, and, you know, it's like the it's like the world or the, the playoffs for baseball. You know, <laughs> it gets pretty cold in the end of October for the World Series. Right. So it's nice to do this thing a little bit earlier. If you want to briefly mention, there was Vienna Lager and that was Dreher. Yeah, Anton Dreher was uh, I can't even remember what brewery he was associated with. The heart and soul of it's funny, you know. Nowadays in the U.S., we talk about hops just being the heart and soul of all these different beers, and you know, or like sour beers where it's bacteria and yeast that are doing so much of the work. You know, for for centuries, uh, it, it really was malt that is that was what defined a beer. And in Munich and in Vienna, two cities that are you know fairly close together, they're I don't know what are they two hundred kilometers apart from each other. Um, in eighteen forty one, they were both racing to develop new styles of beer and they came up with beers that were malt focused and these malts were based on new new ish i should say malting technologies you know i was mentioning earlier 1817 daniel wheeler over in england developed something called the the his patented malt roaster which made it actually surprisingly so that you could make very dark malt very easily but people after him realized that the same malt roaster could uh, the same. It's basically like a coffee roaster could kiln and roast malt in a way so that it wouldn't uh, develop a whole lot of color uh, if you didn't want it to. So they would really? dry it out and kiln stuff at low temperatures, which created beer or created malts that were fairly consistent for the first time that uh, could be used or it could be uh, cooked to any degree of color and and roast. And so all of a sudden it was it was like fair game to use this thing to create pale colored malts, which at the time were kind of amber. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. I'm going I have to remind myself. I have to, well, I have to remind myself that pale, what what it means pale back then is different than mm-hmm. what we would assume. Pale. It looks like Dreyer Dreyer Brewery. Uh, Dreyer Breweries. I'm looking at that. Is that the name of the brewery that rings a bell? <laughs> yeah. Ah, it was it his like name. That was the brewery. Um. So wait, are you guys drinking? I, am I the only one who's I'm drinking? I'm two fest beers no, in, I'm, man. I am. I am drinking, man. I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> it's getting loopy. On the the well, I think also the. No. Is, I'm pretty sure I asked you about Vienna lagers, and I'm not sure we actually talked about Vienna lagers. Or do I'm drinking a strong dark from oh. uh, Society. Ah. Oh, delicious. You like in Society or Societe? I do I'm kind of. I kind of like it. I kind of. It's like Society. It. It's a great I was wrong earlier. I. Like oh two yeah, we got to issue that. got to issue that correction. It's society. The feral ale I had from them was, was it's was a fantastic very, beer. Very, very yeah. good. But anyway, good. Sorry. But you're I not drinking it. a fest beer. No, I was trying to, but here's the thing: I'm kind of also limited with. So, I, like I said, I'm more free now than I have been. But you know, I also have 
four actors who I actually take my mask off with at times, so I have to be very, very. Yeah, I guess we should let's let's clarify. Right. Larry Larry's in San Diego yeah. for a, for a play, and he's he's getting tested for COVID three times a week. He's kind of in lockdown, but he's in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, and so he's kind of well, taking in well, the. He's got to be extra like, careful because yeah. if. Because if I, you know, I don't want to, I, I, you, you know, can't get it. I don't yeah. want to expose myself and expose other people who are trusting me that type mm-hmm. of thing. So, you know, completely understand. <laughs> um, so let's get so, but so hey, let me let me wrap that up. I forgot though. It's Andrea yeah, just were, made this beer of Vienna Lager. You were yelling at me for for messing up why for for I was closing yelling that yelling at you. I was merely link. pointing out. And having a little fun. All you do is yell, Maddie. Yeah. Maddie, all you do is you yell. yell, Maddie. You do yell. <laughs> So in Munich, they came up with a very famous malt that is in a lot, a lot, a lot of beers that people brew and drink these days, and it's called Munich malt, and that's from 1841. And in 1841 over in Vienna, they came up with something similar but different called Vienna malt. And so Vienna malt is the base of the Vienna lager. Munich malt is the base of a Märzen. And Munich malt is known for being caramelly, bready, malty, but caramelly and not real toasty, like kind of toasty, but not real toasty. Whereas Vienna malt is known for being toasty. Right. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit drier, a little bit less uh, residual sugar that comes from Vienna malt. And so the Vienna lager is a little bit drier, a little bit cleaner, a little bit toastier version of, uh, of a lager. Whereas the, the Meritzen typically because it's got Munich malt has a little bit more caramel Mm. uh, in there. So, brand new Fancy Pants malts back in 1841 <laughs> that all sorts of brewers uh, were excited to brew with. And guess what? They still are across the world to this day. And, um, yeah, so that happened in 1841. And then uh, 1842, as we know, the Pilsner was invented. We do. <laughs> over, check out, uh, just check across out the border episode one of Pilsner. Liquid Bread for the story <laughs> of Pilsner. Exactly. And then if you want to brew a stronger version of these beers, that's when you get into the Oktoberfest style. Yeah. And so, so when it was in 1872. Then? Uh, ish. Booyah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Your silence ish. always. Oh, your silence makes me question myself always. Um, but yeah, but it was in 1872 then when Spaten for the first time they introduced a beer that was actually called Oktoberfest beer. But it was still a Märzen style? Or, or would you. I mean, it was Märzen yeah. style in that it was March beer, but was it like. So how would you well, describe yeah. that beer? The idea of people liking pale colored beers has been around for a long time. Uh, now that we have. Well, not now, but um, starting like the 1840s glassware became uh, very easily available and so people could finally see into their beer and so dunkel this dark style lager that we've been talking about became yeah as yummy as it is (laughs) became much less fashionable and things like these amber colored meritons became much more fashionable so they became like the beer of munich everyone in munich was drinking these beers and I know Weiss beer is a popular beer that's associated with, with Bavaria, but at the time, there was no one brewing Weiss beer. It was like a dead style. Meritzen was the style of beer that you drank mm. in Munich starting from 1841. And so in the 1840s, 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, like everyone was jumping on the bandwagon and brewing these beers. And I've been talking about these six breweries in Munich that brew fest beer nowadays. But at the time in Munich, there, you know, there were dozens of breweries in Munich. And so everyone was brewing Meritzen. And Spaten was like, all right, we've got 30 years of this beer that we brewed, you know, that we invented. Thank you, everyone, for, for you know, copying us. We're going to try to come up with something more original for our favorite festival. And so 1872 happens, Oktoberfest. What are we going to do that's more original to the most popular style of beer in town? Let's make it stronger. That Ooh. is the Oktoberfest version of Meritzen. Great. So rather than it being like a piddly six point or sorry five point two percent alcohol five point three a pittance let's a make nothing. it six percent damn point eight more um, that sounds delish <laughs> um, so it does. and 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 I mean honestly <laughs> um, it seems like today's Spaten Oktoberfest beer follows that recipe and you can buy that beer today I mean obviously yeah. there's probably a little bit of alterations yeah. in terms of the taste but yeah but generally that's the recipe that they use today. Um, a lot of these beers are available. I think even in the United States, you can you can find, I don't know, almost all these beers. I mean, obviously they travel, but like Polliner is pretty common. Hofbrauhaus you'll find a lot. And then, yeah, you can you can find Augustiner and Hackershore and Lohenbrau and Schmacher. You can't find Augustiner. You've oh, you got to go to Germany for that. Yeah, oh, for some reason I thought I'd seen it. You can find, uh, uh, 
handful of beers from Augustiner, but not their not their fest beer. Okay. Um, so a lot of these breweries really regard their fest beer as something that's really only for certainly this time of year, uh, but it's especially for Oktoberfest, like for the Wiesen. Uh, if you want an Oktoberfest Meritzen, so again, the fest beer being the gold version, that is really only available mostly in Germany or mostly just for for the Wiesen. Um, if you want to have the older Meritzen, the Oktoberfest Meritzen, that is available a little bit more widely. Um, and so Spaden, like if you go to the Spaden tents, you know, the various tents that serve Spaden at Oktoberfest at the Wiesen, you are not going to find the Meritzen version. You're only going to find the gold hmm. uh, fest beer version. But in the United yeah. States, obviously, uh, you can get the Oktoberfest uh, Meritzen, which is from yeah. Spaden. Uh, what else? You can get the... The Hofbrauhaus House is available. Well, yeah, that's the yeah. that's the golden one, though. That's what I'm, I'm drinking right now. Gotcha. Um, and that's a golden fest beer. So that's the exact same one that they serve at the at the at the Wiesen. Um, Palaner, that's right. That's the other one. So Palaner has two different versions that are available in the United States. You have to look carefully for the difference. One is called um, one's called Oktoberfest beer. One's called uh, Oktoberfest Märzen. And so the Oktoberfest beer is the golden one the one that they serve at oktoberfest well not this year but other years they serve it actually at the at the grounds every year but 2020 um, exactly oh, 2020 the asterisk <laughs> i hate it the year. and then um yeah oktoberfest Meritzen is the the old school one that is like it's fun it's a throwback but no one in bavaria drinks this beer it's just like it's it's for old folks it's it's a bummer it's a good beer let's sum it up and let's start summing up by looking at the the types of beer um and and rich i know this is there's a lot of variability as we address thing um but let's say you go to a brewery and they've got an oktoberfest beer a fest beer and a meritzen what can i expect from each of those three if i'm a, i'm allowed to order just one of those what can i expect maddie you're killing me Uh-oh. if you're talking about breweries in the states you just don't know okay no, no that's a no that's a good answer here. Which is frustrating. Yeah, your answer is fuck uh, everybody. It sounds like, which is good. <laughs> it's controversial. You're taking them on. I like it. <laughs> if it's if it says fest beer, mm-hmm. it should be the golden version, which is not good or bad that it's golden. It's just up to whatever you like. Uh, if it says Meritzen, it really should be darker in color. Okay, and I mean by darker in color, I mean like caramel. Okay, we're not talking super dark. If it just says Oktoberfest, you have no idea. And I've, I mean, I have no idea. I, I've been to a couple of breweries in the past couple of weeks and they are trying to push their Oktoberfest on me and I have no idea what to expect with it. Yeah, that's that's my answer, unfortunately. That's, that's a great answer. I think that's a fantastic a answer, answer, honestly. It is. And then also, honestly, we've talked a little bit more about the festival itself than I thought we would. But I, I thought I'd ask if people are listening and they're interested in going in the future, again, obviously it's not going to be this year, maybe next year, hopefully, or years beyond that. Do you have, Rich, from your time going, do you have any advice, anything you've learned going, any little tricks or anything like that for when you go or things you wish you'd known before you'd gone for the first time? Yeah, totally. Uh, Just know that, yeah, you cannot get a beer unless you're seated. You cannot approach a bar. A server will come, take your beer order. Do not be in a rush. There's no smoking in any of the tents, which I'm very excited about. I'm not a smoker myself. Hmm. So, So the tents are not smoky. However... Like a lot of Europe, any sort of outdoor seating is often pretty smoky. And a lot of these tents have a beer garden, is what they call it, and that is like an apron that surrounds the tent itself. So the tent is this giant indoor space, but right outside the tent is this apron that has outdoor seating. And so you can sit down outside and get a beer. The tents fill up first inside, and then they fill up outside sort of second. And so if you go on like a Wednesday at noon... You can get in anywhere you want. If you get in, if you go at like Saturday at two in the afternoon, you might have trouble getting inside a tent and they will just, they're just like, you know, they're, they're closed. Essentially it's kind of one in one out. So mm. you will not be able to get into the tent unless people exit, but you should be able to get into the beer garden outside. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the quick, most important stuff you need to know. How long are you spending? How long would you spend in the, t- I mean, you might spend more than most people, but how long would you spend in the tent or expect to spend in the tent? It depends. You know, if you're with some friends and you're there to really have a good time and drink a lot, you might spend three or four or five hours there. You know, you'll be nice. 
if you're really there drinking for five hours, you're going to get incredibly drunk. And that's sort of the thing there. And it's a fairly orderly drunkenness there. They don't really put up with a lot of bad, selfish drunkenness, which is kind of a nice thing. Um, Wait, wait, so what do they do? What do they do if someone is bad and disorderly drunk? Uh, They just kick you out. I mean, they've got serious bouncers that really roam the tent and sort of keep this place fairly orderly. But uh, That's good. That's good. But it's good, but it sounds as if they don't tolerate anything. They really do. They tolerate a lot. There's, like, people at a certain hour every day, and it past, like, 7 p.m., most of the people in the tents are quite drunk. There's a lot of drunkenness. There's a lot of passing out. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of silliness that occurs for sure. Wow. And that is very silliness. much tolerated. Throwing up or uh, dropping anything, breaking glass, then that's immediate ejection. But just being being drunk and happy what, is a lot. Well, what if you're sober and you break a glass? You're done? Yeah, good luck arguing that one. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Don't well, break well, Rich, glass. Rich, what if Larry Larry's sober? He breaks a glass. Do you and I have to leave, or can we just be like, oh, bye, Larry? No, we don't have to leave. Nice. Larry just gets Larry. booted, but that sucks. You're okay. not gonna let so, me go and stay. And keep you should have been more careful with the glass, buddy. Maddie's, what am I gonna Ma- do? What am I gonna Larry, do? Go Larry, in on the, go on the roller coaster. <laughs> Maddie's gonna stick around without you. But I'm I'm joining. I'm I'm leaving with thank, you. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. <laughs> Manny's a jerk. So yeah. hey, so have you guys brand. drunk from mosses before? So the most hilarious thing is just everyone is drinking from these gigantic glasses that hold a full liter of beer. Mm-hmm. Are you guys have you drunk from these before? I have. Yeah. There's one plate. There's Similar. one spot. Yeah. That one spot that I love near me that has a bunch of German beers. They. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're all about those those big leaders. Maddie, we have they're to big. go there once oh, we all will. this is over. Oh, man. we will. So we'll go every day for the rest of our lives. Once this is over. <laughs> That's happen. Do you guys have any silly stories from <laughs> drinking out of these? Oh man, no, I don't have any story. I mean, they're just a they're just a big old marathon. They're big. They're it's a lot of beer. I like them because they encourage they encourage you to drink the beer if you are slow about it, then the beer's just going to get warm. And, and people complain to me about that all the time. They're like, oh, I don't like them because my beer gets warm. Well, just drink the damn beer and it won't get warm. <laughs> drink, drink the damn I've, beer, says Rich. I, I, I actually have a Chicago Bears version of one of those um, those um, mugs. You have to excuse this me while is... I sound because I've been drinking. It's just a big, huge motherfucker like that. <laughs> But it has um, it has a Chicago Bear logo bears on it. This is awesome. Does oh, it make you stronger, Larry? It's you like the off. Bears? I feel like every episode. Uh, every you ep- know what? Let's, let's not go into. Let's not go into the Bears. Let's not. Go. I know <laughs> we're not. Oh, we're not. We're not. We're not jinxing. I was gonna say every I'm episode. Good, every episode. I feel I'm like good, I'm not in a good place with the organization. <laughs> let's, let's go back to <laughs> marathons and fest beers and Oktoberfest. Larry, tell me about the Bears in 1841. I don't believe they were around in 1841. They were founded in 1920 as the Decatur Staley's. But before we do all of the history, let's go back to let's go, let's I go back. Covered it all. <laughs> I think we. I think that covers it all. Rich, is there anything else mm-hmm. about Oktoberfest beers? I think it doesn't cover of... anything. Maddie, Maddie, it doesn't cover anything. Oh, it doesn't cover anything. I don't understand. Okay. Oktoberfest is. It's just really fun. We got, you guys, no, it's a party. We just gotta go. We just gotta go guys. Again, I will go. say, let's celebrate the fact that there's just this festival that is just about drinking beer and partying and and having a and good having, time. No, it's about gemutlichkeit. It's about gemutlichkeit. Fail to mention this. Gemutlichkeit is the idea of people coming together to drink beer and have a good time together. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you know each other or not. But it's a shared conviviality. I just slurred my way through that one. It's a shared conviviality. And what's it called? Kavlubatite. Kavlubatite. Gemutlikite. 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 Got it. Friendliness. Friendliness. And and Rich, I don't want to throw. Why don't we throw on a pairing real quick? So I got a fest beer with me right now. What food? Yeah, which one are you drinking? You drink the Hofbräu? No, no, I'm saying the Hofbräu is for the tasting, and I'm not going to destroy oh. my taste senses. Um, saying I'm drinking all the beer for the tasting early? No, I think it's good. No, you are. You're okay, but you know what it tastes like anyway. You know, I'm drinking actually a Fest beer from Highland Park Brewery in L.A., which I probably this is also became which has become my cliche for every episode is mentioning Highland Park Brewery, which is one yes, of my favorites. Yes. But they got they've got a great Fest beer right now that I've really enjoyed, just awesome. called Fest beer. Which I appreciate. And the it's name. pale. Hey, Maddie, it is pale. It is. It is. 
What? Can we go to Highland Park Brewery when all this is over? Absolutely. We'll go every night after we go to Verst House. We're, every day we're going to go out to like eight different places once we're allowed to do it again. So, okay. So, everyone, yeah, go out and enjoy um, the Oktoberfest beer. I think that that really does – Rich, I think you've done a fantastic job describing sort of the – both what we can expect uh, from the beer itself and also, you know, what to expect when we all are at Oktoberfest next year when they break – the uh, record numbers for attendance because he did a good so job. I would, you know, normally he digs was... a little deeper. What would you give him out of 10? Very nice to me. He usually digs a little deeper and drops some like, you know, he talked, like he really talked about the weight of beer at one point. Yeah. Yeah. That's just him showing off. You know, usually he's a little bit more, um, <laughs> nuanced, you know, <laughs> a little more nuanced. I'll, I'll mess with but thank you so much. Keep an eye out uh, for our next taster episode where we'll be trying appropriately the Hofbrau Oktoberfest. Can you? What is the brewery's name again, Rich? Because I feel like I've pronounced it wrong every time. You say Hofbräu? It's Hofbräu. Yeah, uh, Hofbräu. Yeah. When you yeah. see that umlaut, the dot of the a followed by a u, it it's like an o y in English. Oi. But yeah, we'll be trying Hofbräu Oktoberfest on the Taster episode, which will be out soon. Um, if you've got any questions for Rich, email us at liquidbreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We really appreciate any support. And feel free to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at, at liquidbreadpod. Uh, before we go, Rich, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, I got some new beers coming out from my brewery, Mountains Walking. Or not my brewery, the brewery I worked at, work nice. at Mountains Walking in Bozeman. So. Swing by Bozeman and drink my beers. Swing by Bozeman. Do they distribute any more widely yet? Not especially. You can find the beers. Well, yeah. North Carolina, Portland, Seattle, oh. uh, Tavor.com, T-A-V-O-U-R.com. Okay. So you can um, get in some places. Yeah. 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 That's right, awesome. Montana. Yeah. I looked at uh, Rachel, Larry's wife, I know, visited you, and uh, I saw some pictures she took of the brewery. It looked awesome. It looked like a great place. Hey, we visited the nicest brewery in town, and then we went to over to Mountains Walking afterwards. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hey, just kidding. This oh, was yeah. at Mount's Walking. It's very nice. It's a very nice, well-appointed brewery. No, it looked great. I was. It was good. I was good. To, it was glad to see it. I was like, oh, good. It's a legit brewery. I was like, I don't know. I don't know where this rich guy's been spending his days. <laughs> it's not just in rich's garage. Yeah, it's a like, legit oh, nice. brewery. It's, it's, real. it's real. They got they got the name on the side of the building and everything. Yeah, Fuck you very much, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Larry, do you have anything to plug? Talented Mr. Bates on Twitter. The Talented Mr. Bates on Instagram. I'm in the series LA's Finest, awesome. which is you can stream all episodes on Spectrum, and I think it started weekly on Fox, maybe last week. So there you go. Great, check out cool. LA's Finest, um, and you can follow me on Twitter at at Maddie Smith with two F's. Thanks so much for listening. Keep an eye out for our Taster episode, and until next time, Gemutlikite. Gemutlikite. <laughs> is that better than Gemutlikite and happy bearing? Yeah. Okay. We get that.